Heyo, and here we go. Welcome to another episode of We Talk Music. I am your host, Mr. Brett Podcast, and I am truly pleased to be joined again by one of my one of my all-time favorites. Oh, he's from Sabotage, he's from Trans-Siberian Orchestra. The reason that we're talking to him today is the new Spirits of Fire album. Chris Caffrey, how are you? I'm good. It's great to be here, and it's actually a lot of fun to be, be talking about this, this new record. I've been doing um, a lot of chats with people, and... Um, it's really got me very excited about the upcoming release. Well, absolutely, and I don't blame you because one of the things that it's like, do you ever get tired of working on um, good music? Do you ever think like, oh, I should work on crappy music for a bit because all you do is work on good music? <laughs> you know, I, I uh, sometimes I don't know if I still have good music in me, and I'm not saying that I can't write it. It's just that when you've written things that, you know people really enjoy and you listen back to it yourself and i'm going wow this is good then you go to start writing and sometimes i feel like i'm sitting there writing the freaking theme song for barney's birthday party or something <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll spend the night writing and i'll listen back the next day and i'm like do you have any good music left so it's it's one of these things where i think it's just a matter of getting into that right frame of mind and when i got into writing this second spirits of fire album I think I, I just got on a roll and I was in a mood where once it started going, it kept going and, and it was a lot of fun to write and finish. Well, and this one, so Embrace the Unknown, this one comes out February 18th uh, of this year. Now, it's it's a really awesome album, but you got a new singer. Yeah, well, that, that was um, actually a bit of a surprise to me at first because Frontiers approached me about doing a new Spirits Fire record. And my assumption was just to be working with Spirits of Fire as Spirits of Fire was. And, and um, you know, there was some, you know, adjustments in, in what we were going to do in the plans and everything. And, and asked me if I was into it. I said, yeah, sure. Because I, I, you know, I, I like making music. And for me, Spirits of Fire is kind of like my modern day Dr. Butcher. It's like a way for me to make metal music for fun. You know, my solo mm -hmm. records go all over the map musically and and um you know we sabotage anti-so they both have metal in it but it's not really metal top to bottom so i was like spirits is a chance for me to have that dr butcher like metal band and um i was like sure and then a few weeks later i got an email about so we need to decide who's singing and and i had never spoken to ripper about it or, or whatever the case may be but they decided to part ways on this this album and um they asked me if I still wanted to do the record. And, you know, it's funny because Ripper was one of the main reasons why I did Spirits of Fire was to get a chance to make a record with him. He's my friend and I was excited about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I wanted to make this music. So I said, yeah, if you can get the right singer, I want to make the record because, you know, I've worked with how many different singers in TSO every year. You know, it's nothing against singers, but I've, you know, I've done music with a lot of different people and I just wanted to create the music. So I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll work on it if you get the right person. And at first we started work actually working with Todd Hall and uh, from Riot and it was going really well. Just Todd was busy on the voice and then he had some other personal and musical things going on to where he was very, he was a gentleman and very kind about it. He's like, I, I can't, devote the time you need to this record right now. And I don't want to, you know, make you guys expect something you're not going to get. And I, I was really happy that he was 
the way he told me, but I was really sad that he wasn't going to do it. And then Frontier said, well, what about we try using Fabio? And I'd never worked with him. You know, I knew of him from the bands he'd been in. And I said, well, if you can, and I think it's the same way the rest of the guys in the band were, if we could hear him sing something, you know, because that's the important thing about Spirits of Fire is the, is the voice had to match the music. It was kind of like, you know, it's a, it's a metal thing. So they were like, well, we'll get in and get something out of them. And I think I had written 18 songs and our producer Aldo picked, I think it was 11 out of the first 18. And then I wrote one final one with a friend of mine that uh, in the rain song was the last one to be written. But um, we listened back and I was like, you know what? I, I think this is going to work. So we proceeded ahead and I'll tell you what, man, Fabio's a badass metal singer. And that's mm-hmm. something that I think surprised everybody. When we were done with this record, I let a ton of people like you, and friends and everybody who, you know, have lots of knowledge and experience with listening to music and, and hearing bands. I said, let me know who this singer is. And not one person guessed it was him. And that goes to show you exactly how cool it was what he did on this album. He was able to basically take on a character for this. I mean, Paul O'Neill would have been really proud of, of his job with that. You know, it would have been one of those things where, you know, Paul would take singers into the studio and try to dig into them to see what it is he could get out of them. And Fabio did that himself with Aldo. They dug in and, and came out with this really badass metal vocal performance. And I didn't write the vocals on this record. The first Spirits record, I basically wrote the first four songs, but that wasn't something I wanted to do for this record. I just wanted to be Chris Caffrey, the guitar player. So I gave the music in and um, and that's something I I kind of demanded I did this time. I'm like, look, I want to supply all the music and just make the best metal record we could. And I also knew that, you know, with Ripper being gone, that there was, he's one of the greatest metal singers of our generation. I knew there was going to be a huge comparison factor happening. So I was like, you know, we, we can't make this record just as good as the last record. We have to really make a, a statement with this album to, to rise above with the fans and the press of the initial, which, you know, I call it the blabbermouth blast, but you know, when you get out there and people just want to, they want to jump on everything you did. Like it was the worst thing you ever made. And I'm like, we need to, we need to make a great record. And I think that's where my focus was with the writing. And I think why it actually wound up starting to flow as well as it did, because once I got into a formula and, and, and got into where I wanted to take it musically, it was fun to write. And I was literally throwing these guys out a song every week you know, a different song, like here's this week's song. And, and it was fun. And, and in the end, like I said, when I listened to the record, I was like, wow, because a lot of these songs, I wrote the music and I got the drums back because I didn't want to record my guitars and then have the drums. I wanted to do all my final guitars, this record to the final drums mm-hmm. to give it more the effect of like a band that had actually rehearsed together because that's what I did. I learned you know, it's like Zonder learned his parts off of me, but I learned my parts off of listening to him listen to me. So it was like, a, you know, basically how you would do a building block in a rehearsal studio where a drummer would play, you'd play something, a drummer would play along, and then you'd play to meet his fills and beats. Well, I kind of did it in a live format in the, in the studio. And, you know, I didn't hear the vocals really until a lot of them, until the record was done. I heard some of the ideas. So for me, 
I've listened to this record a tremendous amount of time since it's been finished because it's a first listen a lot of time. <laughs> and, I, and I really enjoy it, which is cool too. That I think that um, as a metal fan, top to bottom, this is a really fun listen. And I kind of throw this one in the top 10 or maybe even the top five. And I've been on over a hundred records in my career of, of my favorite metal records that I've played on. It just has that thing about it. That's a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah. Well, and, and I would agree. See, it's, it's really interesting because like for me and myself, I had that first listen and it was, and it was just like, Whoa, this is, this is, this is a metal record, but it's different because, because he's not Ripper. Fabio's definitely not Ripper, but then I go in and listen. And the next thing I know, it's just like, Oh, listen a couple times and it's just like wow this is a rocking record and you've really hit so many of the points that you need to hit and then especially once you get to at, out in the rain i mean what a killer ending song yeah no that um song i went to my friend lonnie park who uh he's mastered and worked with a lot of my solo records and i played with him and john west bands and he's a really great producer and composer he's a piano player by nature he sings and plays guitar and a lot of other instruments just a really talented guy and um i was like he he's familiar with the uh the tso sabotage world very much actually in the when we did east coast and west coast tso him and john west had went and auditioned for for tso and john west had actually got the gig to sing in tso and then something about his image in the beginning when they were trying to do the first guy to sing an angel came down they wanted the broadway image out of the gate so john was like sidelined from singing in tso because of an image thing not necessarily his voice so it was kind of funny but lonnie is, is he just knows the formula and i said to him lonnie i want to get a song that kind of has that feel of the you know longer more piano based songs I do with Sabotage and TSO. And, and, you know, this Spirits is obviously a band that doesn't have a keyboard player, but I wanted to use his ability to, to write that. So we put this tune together and um, it was funny. Lonnie had an original melody and lyrics for this. And I thought I sent Aldo the original idea Lonnie had. And in that was the middle section where I sang the counterpoint vocals. Well, it turns out I never sent him the demo with the vocals. So he just <laughs> had the music. So Fabio wrote that in the rain it was different lyrics and different melodies, but it was awesome. But you got to the middle of the song where I had where the counterpoint section is and there was nothing. And I was like, okay, well, I like Fabio's, I really like what he's doing, but that other part is missing. And they were like, what other part? And that's when I found out they had no other part. And Fabio <laughs> wasn't able to get into the studio to sing the counterpoint vocals. So I did vocals on the record and those were the only ones just because our, A, I was the only one that knew the parts and B, I was the only one that could do it at the time because we were mixing the record. Those vocals were done as we were mixing. Oh, which wow. is kind of funny but that song to me is is really yeah there's there's some moments in that that's just a really great end to the record i think sometimes on my solo records i you know when i had a band then i put that at the end of the record sometimes i would put the longer songs like that because i liked them so much earlier in the record and i discovered that that's um 
not the smartest thing to do because for creating the album, you might want people to hear that right away. But I think the placement of it and the track listing is, is something I always mess up because I, I, I listen to my own music differently than everybody else does. So I, I really love the way this record was put together as far as the track listing. And that song's definitely a great ending. Yeah, there's no question. It's, it's, I think track listing is such a vital part of releasing any album. And so now is this all your track listing? Do you often go to other people and try to get, well, I didn't list this track, this, this record, I, played guitar. I wrote music and played guitar and I did some missing background vocals. I really, my job for myself on this record was to be Chris Caffrey guitar player, which I really enjoyed. I mean, it was the first time in a long time that, um, you know, I was able to do that and be the only guitarist. You know, when I do TSO or Sabotage, it's multi people and multi ideas. And, and so my thing was to produce me. And the only thing that, um, really Aldo did with me and my guitars was, um, he at the end it was funny he was being trying to be really kind about it there was a couple solos and, and he was just like i don't know how to say this but i think you could do these a little better and i listened <laughs> to which songs and i was doing walls of guitars on this record i mean i have six rhythm guitar tracks on every song wow i had three different guitars in stereo for each song, and i i did it on purpose one was like you know a little cleaner one was a little more distorted and i changed them around depending on the songs and a lot of times because of the tuning because I'm way too lazy to change strings and retune. And I got like a hundred guitars. So I had this pile of guitars all over my studio that I was switching about <laughs> to record these songs. And they all kind of get generally the same tone, you know, as far as sonically being able to put them together, but it, it created that wall. And once I did have Zonder's drums to do, there was a lot of work in putting together. I'm playing with my dog, six different tracks of guitars, to fill in with those fills and to make all the parts super tight and to have, you know, cause you'll hear the flams if six guitars are not locked in. So, you know, the leads, I was like, okay, it's fine. And I really was just like playing a lead guitar that I listened back to and I'm like, yeah, maybe that one does suck. And I, I would do, you know, a couple songs I literally did completely new lead guitar parts for, which was cool. And, um, you know, the sounds were, were mine. Fabio was really into my rhythm sound, which is basically the same root rhythm sound I've used for Sabotage and TSO since 95. I just, you know, have a way now to create it digitally. And, and um, you know, it's just it's one that you can add lots of things to to create different tones and, and, and sounds from the basic raw metal distortion side. So it, it was it was fun for me to just go and be the guitar player, which, you know, like I said, I hadn't really done on a record a full record in a, in a while even the last spirits of fire record like i was you know asked to do a lot of the full writing and then you know there was there was work with roy so some of the music wasn't mine so i had to learn songs to play that i hadn't written and and this one was just all you know me playing guitar on one of my albums only which was like i said maybe since the first dr butcher record was the first time i ever really got to to be that guy and heck, I even wrote more lyrics and melodies on that record than I did on this one. So this was really just a chance for me to play guitar. Yeah, well, because because that's the thing, right? Because I've known you. I mean, I've been following your career for decades. And it's just like knowing you as a member of Sabotage and then knowing you as a member of Dr. Butcher. And I remember even at that moment thinking like, oh, wow, versus taking on the, the guitar, you know, the solo guitars for, for Dr. Butcher. And it's just like, wow, that's crazy. And then 
and then moving on. So it's just like your career, you've, you've done such a good job of being able to kind of work by yourself, but also at the same time work with other amazing guitarists. Yeah, no. And, and through them, I, I definitely learned a lot. I mean, my guitar playing was not by the book. So a lot of what I learned on guitar came from working with people like Chris and Al, and even still to this day with Joel, it's like, I, you know, I'm always picking up things. Guitar, the great thing about guitar is I'll, you know, as much as I think I learn, I, I always think I'm terrible. You know, I'll watch people, especially nowadays, because I'll put on the internet and every other ad is some guy that comes out there or some girl that comes out there shredding away, like, and I'm going, I couldn't practice for three years and get that lick that clean. So it's like, you know, I'm glad to let to see the world moving ahead like that. But um, there's always something you could learn. There's always different styles and types of music. Guitar is one of the most phenomenally freaking widespread instruments in, in music, period. The amount of different things you could do with the guitar, I think. You know, keyboards obviously go that stretch, but you're creating things electronically. So that's, in my opinion, not exactly the same. I think with the guitar, you know, you're creating all these different sounds from different guitars. And a lot of these parts, don't even need to have the amp for you to hear what it is that people are, are trying to do, you know, and um, it's just awesome. And I think on this one, you know, even more than my solo records, I focused as a guitar player, my solo records I did, but it wasn't really like, you know, Chris Caffrey's guitar playing and I hired a singer. It was Chris Caffrey doing everything, you know, mm -hmm. it was my Harold Hecuba from freaking Gilligan's Island. I was <laughs> first, first bass Bugs Bunny, second bass Bugs Bunny. And it's like, other than the drums and bass, I, I was pretty much doing a lot of everything. So this just took a, you know, it took a lot of pressure off that. And I, I do think that, um, you know, the, the lead guitar playing too actually comes across as more of like a, a, a dominant instrument on this music because of the fact that it was pretty much all I had to do besides rhythms. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. And, and I mean, it's interesting because like Roy Z is one of my favorite producers of all time. I mean, he's, he does great work. I mean, Paul O'Neill is top two. Absolutely. But like, you know, Aldo, his work has really been impressing me of late. I mean, he's doing a lot of work and, and I think that, that what he's brought out of you is absolutely spectacular. Yeah, no, he's, he's a really great ear. And I think for me, I, I love Roy, too. He was another person. I never worked with Roy. So when Roy's name came up for the first record, he was a big buy-in for me because I didn't want to do a quote-unquote project band. I, I had no desire to or no need to. I'm not looking for work or money. I just do mm -hmm. things I like doing. And um, having the combo of Ripper and Roy was a big part of that. And when we went to do this record and Frontiers was telling me we were using Aldo, um, I like what he did with Zach's record. So I knew that he wrote most of that music and, and a lot of the melodies and everything in there. So I was confident in the fact that he was going to bring out the side of the music that I was going to be really satisfied with vocally too. You know, not just the production of overall sound. I knew that the, what was going to come out of the vocals, I didn't have to worry about. So I did let myself kind of walk away from that in the way I did because I was I was confident from the production work he did and he's definitely you know he got a great sound on this record I love the way that the production is the final production and you know we were battling not battling but he would send me things and as much as my deaf ears could pick up I'd tell him over the because <laughs> my ears hear something different every day which is why <laughs> I, I don't trust myself too much which is you know in a perfect world why if I 
had the right, you know, times and budgets where I would send away my my music to somebody, my solo records for somebody else to mix. But the problem is with my solo records, I do such a huge amount of work after the fact. You know, as I'm mixing, I'll change things and add parts and do this and do that. So I don't think my solo records could possibly be the same if I wasn't ruining the mix on my own. So it's like I unless I had somebody living really close to me that could hop in the studio with me and, and help me. But I have a lot of um, tone problems because of my tinnitus. So I miss a lot of things. And, you know, like I said, my hearing hears things kind of differently every day, which is why I like to work with the digital guitar sound I have, because if I was placing mics, I'd have to rely on knowing that sound is what it is. And to me, that sound could be something different every single day. So it's yeah, like, yeah. I trust, I trust the digital one because if the digital one sounds different today than it did yesterday, that's me. It's not the sound. <laughs> when it comes down to, to this album and of course the band, do you think that you want to keep going again, like with Fabio? Or are you kind of hoping that Fabio will return for another one? Well, I mean, obviously, in the same sense of Ripper, that's going to be Fabio's decision. I mean, so hopefully Fabio and Frontiers and everybody would like to make another record. I mean, I think now that um, there's a definite picture in the in the sound and everything, I think it would be fun for me to sit down and for them to go, all right, well, we need another album. So I would sit down and come up with what I think would be the follow-up, which is always, you always get that, <laughs> uh-oh, I need to beat the, beat this one or do that one. But I think for me that that makes it fun too. Because what I kind of do in that situation is I set every song out on a map and I don't try to replace the song exactly, but I kind of go with the feel that I write the tempos down. And sometimes I'll just turn the studio on and play the click track at that tempo and I'll try to write a completely different riff and feel but try to replace that song's part of the album and I think that's something we always do even with with sabotage back in the day we'd be like oh you need an up song or you need the ballad song and it's just I think the way a lot of times we complete records is we kind of you know, look at the final picture and go, what are we missing? You know, it, it's, it's one of those things, but you know, I'd love to, I'd love to have it happen. I mean, I think everybody's really excited about the reaction. I know the second video hit 172,000 views on YouTube in just a little over two weeks. And, you know, the most we had on the last record was 142,000 and that wow. was over two out of three years. So in just over two weeks, we have 30,000 more listens of, of the second video. And, um, it's pretty exciting. I think that um, for me, I was just hoping to, you know, maybe get if in a perfect world that we would be able to to cross 100,000 listens, watches with one of these before the record came out. But to have both of them over it and one that'll probably hit two. And then I read the comments and, and, you know, unless it's the person that's just trying to make a joke about the way we look, the majority of the the comments and there are genuine metal fans that are happy to hear what they're listening to. And that is um, something that I really like. And, and it's, you know, no offense against Ripper at all there, that whole part of this is not a drama in what I've read or heard about this record at all. People aren't battling out, mm-hmm. you know, singer versus singer on this. They're just talking about this record, which is what I wanted because I did not want this to become some weird flame war. I mean, Ripper's one of my best friends. He, he did the first record, Fabio did the second one, and that's how I wanted it to stay. You know, I wanted to do a record good enough 
to uh to live up to the first one and 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 make sure that whoever was singing it was going to be as good and that's really all that i'd hoped for and the way the fans are reacting you, you know you just see a lot of people really happy with this record and that's all i wanted was to create a piece of art that everybody liked well yeah because what you're looking for is is to just admit I mean, it's it's all i want i want good music if yeah. you provide me with good music, well, then I don't necessarily care who's doing what job for the most part. Exactly. No, obviously. I mean, you, you look, look at Killers to, to um, Number of the Beast. I mean, yeah. nobody ever was angry about, I mean, of course, there was people that missed Diano, but nobody was angry about Dickinson coming in. And you had people that liked Diano and liked it. It's, it was one of these things where you just, you know, you were putting Iron Maiden was putting out great music and that's exactly where i was with this one i'm like well you know we can sit here and, and try to beat our heads against the wall with the things that don't matter right now but we could try to make a great record well because there's there's talent so there's so much talent all around us and i think that's the thing like it, it's not that you went out and replaced wound up replacing ripper with somebody who had no talent you wound up replacing ripper with with somebody who had an awesome amount of talent and and that's the that's the great thing you know i mean you talk about van halen you talk about motley crew replacing with karabi and stuff like that all these guys i mean iron maiden had a couple of vocal ships all of them have talent yeah and they bring so. something new to the new to the whole game and and i mean to a certain degree it probably pushed you to work even a little bit harder on this yeah no that's what i told you that was my main yeah. thing was like you know i wanted to do it but i i wanted to avoid there you know being that this sucks or whatever and that's kind of that's kind of why well potential spam is calling me this potential no. spam call you potential <laughs> spam is my best friend but um calls me all the time but I, I kind of, I, that's all I wanted was to make sure that potential spams call them back again. Potential spam is addicted to me. But um, yeah, that was that was my thing was was to make this be as, as good as it possibly could because I I knew we we had that to deal with. So you know that, that's really all all you can do, like I said. And um, I'm just happy that it it got that kind of reaction out of people out of the gate, you know, and and my friends that have heard it too. I mean, they were all just going, wow, I, I really like this record. I really like, and I let a few people hear the whole record and they were just like, wow, this thing is, is top to bottom, just a really great listen. And that's kind of the way I felt, you know, I didn't, I was just hoping that I wasn't the only one that felt that way. <laughs> like, well, I like it, but that doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean everything because I like all the movies that the critics hate. And, and <laughs> Do you ever like, so when you're writing something like this, I mean, this is the true metal album in that regard. Like, do you listen to something different to kind of get yourself in the mood? Like for, for say, working with TSO or then working working with Spirits of Fire? Is that something that you do or is it always kind of a consistent thing for you, what you listen to? Um, That's a good question. I think if anything... You know, I, I did put on a little bit of the last record just to hear where we were at and in some ways to hear what I think we might have missed, you know, as far as myself and um, what I could do better. And, um, you know, I, I have a large catalog of metal music in my brain and in my house, but I didn't necessarily put a lot of that on. You know, I'll drive around and listen on the radio and see things that I, I hear. And, you know, I... Uh, 
I'm always 10 years behind what's the latest trend in music anyway. So, <laughs> you know, that's my, my music sounds dated for a reason. And it's not because I'm dated just because I paid no attention to what anybody else is doing right now. <laughs> uh, it's like Capri's music sounds like it's 20 years old. It's like, because I haven't listened to an album in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of one of those things. So, you know, I'll put some things on. And like I said, a lot of times it is. It's like, oh, God, what'd you listen to to get this new Spirits of Fire out of all oh, Black Sabbath sabotage? I listened to a record that was out 20 years before the last, you know, the last records that I, I put out. So I went even further back. I think it's one thing where I just kind of I look for inspiration, you know, and um, I think grooves are kind of the thing I, I wanted to, to get on this record. I want to just have the music moving. and you know, Mark is a different drummer than any drummer that I have ever worked with in my in my life. He's got a different style. And um, I didn't want to throw too many, you know, super fast up metal things in the way to where his style was not going to matter. I wanted to throw things in there that he could throw the way he does his, intric- you know, intricate beats and fills and moves on to really bring the music alive that way. So I kind of had it in my mind you know, what do I think is going to be the best thing for him to marry as a drummer too? And and that was important to me to make sure that when, you know, like I said, when I went back to do my guitars, I played my guitars too as drums so that when he put his intricate world into the straightforward riffs I had, I played my straightforward riffs along with his intricate world. So if there was like a on the kick and snare, da, 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 you know, I would add that to the guitar wrist where I might have just been going dun 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 and if he was going I went to record the guitars mm. over it and I wrote that part of the kick and snare into my guitar riff to explain exactly what it was that I said I did. So when you do that, it drives that straightforward beat the way you wrote it as a guitarist without the drum activeness making it into two different rhythms. So it changes it to one solid, straightforward rhythm, which makes what I do heavier and what he does heavier because it locks it together. And then Steve just put this wall of bass on this record. I mean, oh I'm, boy, yes. I'm so into his bass playing. Not that I'm not into anything else on that record, but it's one of my favorite things on this album is Steve's bass. It is just monster. It's a monster bass performance on this album. He laid the back end of this and just did really great stuff. I mean, top to bottom, even in the in the ballads, you know, you listen to a lot of his playing in the beginning of the songs, and he's got that, you know, uh, the feel of of uh, of the stuff you would hear in like the Tear Black Sabbath records, you know, the where the bass was sliding along with that, or the Shining, you know, with where in Black Sabbath where the bass kind of slides along with the guitar part. So it, he just really played amazing. I think everybody did a great job on this record, and and I kind of credit, I credit the uh, the pandemic to helping us <laughs> with that because we got stuck at home, and and I think everybody had the extra time to do their parts. Not that people didn't do great parts for the last record but if you were said oh well, you need to get everything done and okay well i got five days here and you went in there and you jumped in and you did your stuff and you sent it out you know this like i said even with my guitars i was able to turn around and redo solos and redo parts down the road and i think that's a little bit of an advantage we had and i know that um you know mark 
was doing the songs one at a time. So he would send me like one song one week or maybe one week I'd get two. So it was really helping me because I did almost every one of these songs like it was a record. Mm. Every, every song was done separately. I did not play rhythm guitars for 12 songs. I played rhythm guitars and lead guitars for one song. Then I sent it to, to Aldo. So it was like, it was done that this record was done in 12 parts. <laughs> you know, I mean, do you practice a lot? Like, do you kind of like go over to one of those hundred guitars and just be like, Ooh, today I'm going to practice with you. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> I probably should. I have, I take care of my mother. I have a large yard, a ton of work. I do all the work in my house and I hate hiring people just because I just, I'm kind of one of those people that likes things done a certain way and nobody ever that you hire to do your yard work or your housework ever does it exactly how you want it. So I'll go and use eight hours of my time that I might be able to put into other things. So I think that, you know, between my art and my music and my work with my mom and my house and my gardening and my hot sauce and everything else, it's like, I get what I need to get done. But sometimes I think the practicing part of that is something I wish I could do a little bit more. And I do sometimes when I, I make sure I, I, I try to go for the, uh, the Rick Emmett school of just trying to always have a guitar near me when I'm watching sports or TV. So you, you know, you sit there and do scales and, and, um, you know, in a perfect world, I'd get a metronome and watch some of these people doing these sweep videos and go, you know, but the only sweeping, the only sweeping I usually have time to do is like my freaking floor and, and, and my patio. So I, 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 I wish I, you know what, it, I always tell people to look, you know, I'm going to be one day, hopefully retired from touring and, and doing what I do at that point in time. What is to stop me from sitting down and, and, you know, becoming one of the greatest classical guitar players who ever lived, you know, like sitting down and practicing mm -hmm. that part of the art and other things. So I think I leave, a, you know, there's a world of guitar I'd still like to get to one day, you know, and God, I, I tons of times wish that I was able to play certain things a little bit better than I than I do. And a lot of times when I'm putting my own riffs and things onto songs, I got to play them over and over because I'll have it written in my head. Yeah, and I can't quite play it exactly like that on a guitar right away. It'll sound like, you know, I punched a freaking wall five times and the fingers start moving. And I'm like, Jesus. All right. I, I got to get that down tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's and that is one of the things that I love about you. And you talked about the groove because it's like even on a heavy record, I can always hear the melody and I can always like for me, I always connect with the melody, no matter how heavy it is, as long as it's there and it's always there with your work. Yeah, I think that um, coming from the, the bands that I've played in, the amount of musicality that's been around, I think that's always very important. And, you know, to I, I learned through writing my um, my solo music, how it is important to leave space for the vocals. I think my one of my biggest mistakes with the faces record was I recorded the music before I wrote a lot of the vocal parts. So I had these intricate guitar riffs that were not impossible to play in the slightest. They're just intricate riffs. And then I put the vocals on top. And then when it was like, Oh, I'm going to go play live. <laughs> I picked up the guitar and I started to play. And it was like, you know, rub your stomach, pat your head. It was like, this was, 
there was some things I'm going, there's no way that my brain can think these two beats at once, which is amazes me about people like Getty Lee that were able to add the foot in and do all you yeah. know, three things at a time with that. Cause I barely was able to do more than hold a power chord and sing <laughs> the straight riffs over. And some people are just really good at writing like that. I mean, and that's when I, I kind of went back and listened to like what, with James and, and what the stain did as far as, okay, well, these guys are singing and playing. How do they do it? And there's a technique to being able to make the vocals and the guitar riffs go together when you're singing without losing your mind and needing to hire a rhythm guitar player. So <laughs> it's like there, there are ways to do that. You know? <laughs> like, so that that's kind of where I, you know, I like to let the vocals breathe and do their thing, but it's important, especially if you're playing and singing to, to leave the, the space of the way you could play along with it. Well, and there's no question. I mean, you know, Hetfield and Mustaine, I mean, Dave Mustaine, like, wow. I just remember seeing them open for black Sabbath one year and Whew. I mean, that guy is incredibly talented. And when you talk about just his if, stage presence you, and everything. If you, take apart, if you take apart like Holy Wars, I can sit here and air. I can go that and be playing. I go, brother will kill brother. He doesn't fall off the beat to the part where the vocals in time are impossible to sing and play. I made it impossible to sing and play my own riff. They were, there was riffs rolling off the beat. You just couldn't. And then I had vocals that were intricately timed in a different way. And I'm like, there ain't no human being that can play and sing this, you know, not me anyway. So that's where I, like, I listened to that and how they did it. And there's, you know, it's just a conscious thing. You know, I could have rewrote my guitar riffs once the vocals were done for my solo records and made that easier, but I never played my solo stuff live until the record was released. You know, I, I played it with Jeff Plate and Dave Z recording the music, but I never sang and played it till we had our first shows. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be interesting. So <laughs> <laughs> I made it through, but I kind of rewrote the rhythm guitars live. You know, <laughs> I, I chugged a lot of notes where there were some riffs just to get through it. But yeah. Now, did you enjoy touring with TSO again this last year? You know what? It was so amazing. I tell everybody that this tour was exactly like it always was, but completely different. And in the sense of that, where like we got out there and we got on stage and it was weird because the first show was kind of like doing your first concert ever. You know, you walked out on stage in Green Bay. We had two shows that day. And it was like you were literally showing up to do your first show you'd ever done. Weird because we took that entire year off. Now, I was blessed with the ability to do the pay-per-view, which kind of really saved my brain and my psyche through 2020, you know, because I still went, traveled and rehearsed with TSO and saw my TSO family. And it was kind of like rehearsing for a tour and then leaving after the first show. Yeah. But we, but we at least got that part of it in. And then, you know, the 250,000 households had that pay-per-view going. So, you know, millions of people would saw that. So it was, it was very fulfilling, but you know, they get back out there we started rehearsing again and it was exactly the same. We got into the, the arena and we're playing, but we always had, you know, the protocols that were around it with the testing and the vaccines and the masks. And, and you just, you know, when we got there, we, we were told before we started and, and set up a goal before we started, which was to get 
through this tour to keep the band safe, to keep the, the machine rolling. And we all knew what it was going to take. And it was not easy. It's like Al told me yesterday that his way of describing it was he said it was like getting landing in Normandy Beach with a water pistol. <laughs> it's like we and I love that quote that he said. And it, it just it was kind of like that because you you were up against a lot. You don't you know, because you watch tours and you know, while we were out there playing, the N the NFL was losing players and the NHL mm -hmm. shut down the league and other tours were shutting down and this cruise was shutting down and we were still going and we were like focused in and everybody was like, you know, we would we would have group emails and it's like, all right, this is spreading worse now to cases are up now. You gotta really focus because it it's not like it was we wanted to keep everybody healthy, but we needed to keep that out on the road. You have a tremendous amount of people in the venues, on the crew, in the lighting, the sound, the pyro, the production, the labels, everybody that, you know, we're counting on us, everybody involved to get out there and to get it done. And we really accomplished something that was, you know, in a lot of ways I consider almost impossible because not only were we doing one, we were doing two shows a day under this situation. Yeah, and we made it. We made it through that. And, um, you know, it was definitely difficult and challenging. And we had to go take our lives off that stage and make it look completely different. You know, we needed to do everything exactly the same when we got out there and played. But everything else on that tour needed to be different to make it happen. And it was it was worth every second of it to see those faces in the audience and to see the faces of my bandmates and, and everybody else. And, and to know that we were keeping Paul's legacy alive in the TSO tradition of playing that time of the year and, and what we did. And, and it was, um, I think it's something when, when, you know, you get down the road and you look back to that, it's like being able to make it through 2021 through an entire tour. Like we did, is going to be something that's going to be considered an achievement that we should all be proud of. It was awesome. No, absolutely. And and I was one of the people who ordered the the uh, pay-per-view because unfortunately I haven't seen you guys um, get come through Calgary in a while, which is uh, which is a shame because I've, I've missed it now. But, yeah, no, uh, and you know what? We we definitely miss I miss the Canadian days and it's nothing against the United States, but some of those Canadian cities and, and things we see are some of the most beautiful places that you'll see when you travel in North America. So, you know, I definitely miss a lot of that, too. And it's not that there's anything wrong with America, but, you know, there's a big difference between having two days off in Ottawa and two days off in Fort Wayne, Indiana. <laughs> it's like you get to see the history of Ottawa and these old stone buildings and the locks and, and all these other things. And Fort Wayne, I get to see Guitar Center, you know, <laughs> which I don't mind Guitar yeah. Center or whatever else is there. But, you know, there's there's a lot of history to some of those bigger older cities like that you know the montreals or toronto's it's you know i can't in, in two days i can't see a fraction of what i'd like to see in those places in two hours i've seen enough in a lot of the places that i know yeah, and it's like no offense you know, there's not a whole lot of things in dayton ohio that you can really see on your two days off it isn't gonna happen. especially you know when you're not allowed to do anything it's like okay well oh, yeah. we're not going to restaurants we're not going to movies we're not going to shows we're not going to sports let me walk around and look at the strip mall you know, it's like, <laughs> at least in some of those other places you could travel and 
go outside and look at the buildings and take some pictures and, and, and see some of the history. It's like, I'm going to try to cross this really busy highway to get to the Walmart parking lot to try to make it to the Starbucks without catching COVID. There you go. <laughs> oh, the life of a touring musician now. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, Chris, you know, I do appreciate your time and I know we're getting up onto that next time and I should let you go. But before you go, um, tell everybody how they can keep up with you, how they can keep up with Spirits of Fire, where they can find the new album. All right. Well, Spirits of Fire Frontiers has links and on the Spirits of Fire Facebook and now Instagram pages, they're there. I put the links up on my uh, Facebook music page and my Facebook personal page and my Instagram pages right now, as of today, I'm having a, uh, I had a security thing that, that went through its uh, expiration date. And yesterday people, I was selling some art on my website and people were like, your website's down. So mm. com does have the information and stuff, but I will be selling some personally autographed versions of this record there. At the moment, chriscaffrey.com, I haven't looked at my, my site since we've been on the phone and I've been dealing with potential spam, but um, my site at the moment is, is actually down, but I, that will be back up. So chriscaffrey.com and all that. And, and if anything new pops up, you, you can always look, like I said, the Frontiers sites, they always have the information. It's probably easier to find it on the Spirits of Fire pages because that's where it'll be individual and Frontiers has a lot of, of different things that happen every day. So, you know, if you want to see the most, easily see the most current information about spirits to fire i would say go there and, and or my facebook music page i'm usually pretty much on top of putting everything out there first yeah absolutely your your presence on social is fantastic and it, and it really allows people to keep up i know i love it i love reading the stories and seeing the pictures on instagram and stuff like that so you know chris thank you so much for what you do Thank you for the Spirits of Fire album. It's a wonderful album, and I urge everybody to go out and listen to it and listen to it multiple times because I think it deserves that. So thank you and all the best. Now, thank you, you too, and I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying the record as, as much as I enjoyed making it. And I, I really, really can't wait for the metal fans around the world to hear this thing as a piece because I think that uh, it's going to wind up in their collections, a lot of people's collections for a long time. That's for sure. No, no question. So like I say, on to your next interview and uh, thank you for your time and we will talk to you again. Awesome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye now.
Yeah. Into the meal I've lost my 